0: good morning morning. welcome to providence and we're grateful to have you here i'm sean church planning resident uh of providence working on planting a church out in liberty texas uh thank you we got one person honey get their name So, we're glad to have you here. We're glad that you chose to come and worship with us this morning. I uh, want to welcome each and every one of you. Uh, and to that end, we teach from the Bible every week here at Providence, and we will once we get to Liberty for the woo woos. Um, because we believe it's God's way of, of revealing Himself to us that we might know Him, we might love Him, and we might obey Him. Uh, so, with that being said, we're, in a, we're finishing up a sermon series of unwavering joy. Um, and we're going to be in Philippians, the fourth chapter. We're going to start in 14, so if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn there and read with me. If you do not have a Bible, there should be a black-bound one somewhere in a seat around you. Let that, be your, or let that be our gift to you this morning. Um, we think there's nothing, nothing more important that we could give you than the gospel. Um, and and God's word. So with that being said, if you would stand. I'm going to start calling out people who don't have Bibles. No, I'm just kidding. Stressing. Oh, is he? All right, starting in, in chapter 14, the word of God says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Now that I seek the gift, or sorry, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit of that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied. Having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God or, and to my God will, or my God will <sighs> forgive me. Easy for me to <sighs> let's try that again. You may be seated. All right,
1: I got them all warmed up. Appreciate it. (laughs) good morning, everybody. Uh, Once again, welcome to Providence. Uh, My name is Eric Ripley. I serve as the Director of Missions and Outreach here. Um, And so it's good to see you guys. Glad you're here. Uh, Made this a part of your week. Uh, Like you said, we are in the sermon series, Unwavering Joy. And we are actually finishing that today. And we're going to be talking about joy in generosity or joy in giving. And that's our topic today. And so I bet when you woke up, you thought, man, I really hope they talk about giving when I get to church today. I love when they talk about money at church, it's my favorite thing. So I'm glad that's your favorite thing because that's what we're talking about today. Uh, And I'm excited. Um, My son was asking me as I was preparing this week, you know, what I was doing. I said, oh, I'm just getting ready for the sermon. He said, why do you have to do that? And I was like, well, you know, I, I gotta make sure like what I'm saying is solid. It's like in the Bible. He said, we well, just gotta tell them about God. I said, that's, that's very true. It's a very simple sermon prep right there. You just tell them about God. So well, I gotta also tell them, you know, uh, how we should give of our money. That's important. And he said, and he just had this puzzled look on his face as I was talking about what I was gonna prepare to say uh, about giving our money. And he just said. Uh, God owns it all, right? And he was just like so simple, right? He was like, duh, you know, was like God owns it all. we, we got to do whatever he says. It's so simple for him. So uh, I pray today that it would be simple for us. Um, and what I would like to do is I would just like to pray uh, as we get into the text today, and, and then we will get into our topic. So if you guys could join me in prayer, uh, we will get started. Father, thank you for your word and uh, for the grace uh, to have things that we are able to give. Just as you have given everything for us, and my, my simple prayer is, one Holy Spirit, that you would uh, open our eyes to your word today. That you would move in power, we God, we can't see what we need to see in your word unless you reveal it to us. So would you do your supernatural work of revealing your word this morning? And also, I pray that you would help us to cling and believe, cling to and believe your promises this morning, God. It is our very strength that we would believe you at your word, believe the promises that you have given us in your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that as we talk about finances and possessions and giving, that you would help us to cling to the very simple yet profound promises you give us in doing that. And may we be a giving people because our treasure and our home is not here, but it's in heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So, um, my goal today is is not to empty your bank account, but it is to free you, to free your heart, to believe the promises of God that He has for us in giving. And so, when I talk about giving, say I'm not just talking about your money. Uh, This could be out of possessions. This could even, in a more broad spectrum, talk about uh, time, energy, etc. I will focus mainly on um, finances and possessions. Uh, That's what I feel like Paul is talking about here. Uh, But giving could be broad. Uh, And and so... I want us to get to a place, and you may be here, but what Paul is getting at right here, and we'll kind of get to where this is and kind of the crux of the text, is that we should be believing God's promises for us, and that's what motivates, and that's kind of the foundation, if you will, of our giving. And But it is an easy thing for us to give of our finances um, without actually trusting God. It's an easy thing to do, believe it or not, at least in a way. Um, So we can give without trusting God and his promises, but that doesn't really glorify him or give us joy. See, our topic is unwavering joy, right? It's a joy in giving. Um, And so I am all about consistent uh, tithing and offerings and giving of our income, but we can do it in such a way, like I said, where we're not trusting in God. I do feel it's easy for it to become a rhythm in our lives instead of a worship to God, if that makes sense, in our giving. Uh, John Piper said this, in talking about tithe and offering in our culture in America. He said, My take on tithing in America is that it's a middle-class way of robbing God. Tithing to the church and spending the rest on your family is not a Christian goal. It's a diversion. The real issue is how shall we use God's trust fund, namely all we have for his glory, in a world with so much misery What lifestyle should we call our people to live? What example are we setting? And so giving in the Christian life is far more than just kind of tipping our 10% to God and kind of feeling good about what we did. Those are not bad things, but giving is much more than that. It is a wellspring of joy that simultaneously meets the needs of others and the world and gives glory to God as the ultimate treasure. And so I think what John Piper is getting at, he's not saying don't give, don't give to the church, don't tithe, that's a bad thing. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he's saying is it's easy for us to say, okay, uh, I am, maybe I'm I'm well off. If you live in America, you are most likely kind of well off, at least compared to the rest of the world, right? Um, It's not always true, but can be. And so you could maybe budget within your 10% to give, but if it's just kind of this just rhythmic non-heart involved kind of thing we're doing and it doesn't have to be I'm not saying that if you're just giving 10% then that's not then you know that's a bad thing or your heart's not in it but we have the ability to be doing that because it's not really a pain for us to lose it right it just kind of comes out it's kind of a rhythm we've set Um, uh, but for us to be just kind of actually ignoring what the real issue is God is after your heart in giving right and Jesus has got some profound promises for us on giving about how it is a, it's a happier thing to, to give, right, rather than to receive. There's this kind of backwards idea to the kingdom than what the world might think. And so, like I said, my goal is not to empty your account, my goal is not to get you to necessarily give more. Uh, though that's awesome because we should always give more, uh, I, I want to kind of bring us into really the joy, the deep joy that is offered to us in giving of our possessions, in giving of our finances, which we know very well, especially around this Christmas holiday season, right, um, that the world speaks a, a very different message, right? The message of the world is the more I get, the happier I'll be, the more I get, the more satisfied I will be, uh, but the message of the kingdom is the more I get rid of, the more I give, the happier I will be. Uh, and um, that is only in so much as we enjoy Jesus Christ in that giving, which we'll get into that. So I got three things for us. I just kind of want to walk through the text and. Um, Paul says some really cool things here, uh, and if just kind of a, an update which will kind of help us think a little bit about this text is, is last week, Court talked about uh, basically joy and contentment, right? Like being content no matter what. Paul says earlier in verses 10 through 13 that uh, he's learned basically in every circumstance, whether he has an abundance or whether he's in great need to be content in Jesus Christ, Uh, He talks about Ephesians 1, which talks about having every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, everything we could possibly want we have in Jesus Christ. Therefore, despite our earthly circumstance, we can be joyful. We can be content. We can be trusting in God. And so this is kind of the same thought process in which Paul is now going to begin to uh, talk to the Philippian church about uh, the gift that they had given him uh, and their giving. So I got three points for us about joyful giving. The first one is joyful giving is uh, regular Joyful giving is regular. And here's what I mean by that. Let's look at verse 14 through 16. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And we'll read in a second uh, the church in Macedonia, which is where Philippi was located. They were uh, some giving churches. It's really cool. It was a consistent part of their life was to give. Uh, And so we can see in the text that the Philippian church did this continually. They were giving to Paul and his missionary work. Uh, Even when no one else was willing to give or no one else was partnering with them, they continued to give. And what I want to point out here is that in the Christian life, Uh, giving should be a regular thing. It should be a mark of our lives. It shouldn't be something that is painful, that is dreadful, but it it should be something that flows, that it becomes second nature to us. We should be givers. Um, That should be who we are because Jesus Christ was a giver, right? So it is a regular part of the Christian life. That's what God has been calling his people to. He's always called his people to give. You look in the Old Testament, you look in the New Testament, God is always, it looks at different ways, but God has constantly been calling his people to give and constantly been giving the promise that, that he will supply all of our needs and that we can trust him. Um, so it should be a rhythm. Now, I'm not trying to lay any unnecessary weight on us this morning. I want you to know that. I'm not going to talk about details about I think you should give 10% or I think you should give every Sunday or I think you should do it this way. My goal is not to put any of those things because honestly, the Bible, <laughs> as clear it is, as it is on giving, is not always clear in the particulars of how we should give. That's a question a lot of people talk about, like should we tithe today, should we not tithe today? Uh, My goal is not to answer a lot of those questions today and not to lay any weight on you, right? As we read in 2 Corinthians 9, it talks about how we should be cheerful givers, not under compulsion, being forced. We shouldn't have to twist each other's arm to give, but it should be something that freely flows from you. Um, So I'm not trying to lay any um, hard and fast rules on you about the frequency, about the amount, about what that should look like exactly, because I don't know. I think by and large it's being led by the Spirit on how we should give. Um, So I believe we can have a lot of helpful rhythms and practices about percentages that we give and when we give and things like that, because if not, we might never do it if we don't plan and have structure. But the point I'm trying to make is not to guilt you into giving. I'm simply saying that giving should be a regular part of our lives. It should be regular and continual what we do. You might be thinking something like, well, how can I do that when I barely make enough money to support myself? Like, I don't even know how I'm going to pay rent. The first is coming up. I don't even know how I'm going to pay my mortgage, right? And I'm not suggesting um, that there's not difficult situations in here, but I would say that regular giving is not merely for those who are wealthy or well-off, but is for every Christian, whether rich or poor. The amounts may look different, how it's done may look different, but we are all called to regular giving despite our circumstance. Our circumstance should not be what dictates our giving. And um, I think this church... And Philippi is a perfect example. Um, you guys may know this text, but if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 5, I want to read about their giving. So like I said, Philippi was located in Macedonia. you got these different churches in Macedonia, including Thessalonica as well. Um, and, and here's what Paul says about them when he's talking to the Corinthians, who were apparently not that good of givers because he has a, a few chapters on them about giving. Here's what he says. But they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. So we see the churches in Macedonia had an abundance of joy and extreme poverty. And that overflowed into a wealth of generosity. And Paul says, they gave within their means. which is a good thing to do, right? You give what you're able to give. You should be doing that. You should be contributing to the other churches, the needs of the saints, etc., but he says, no, but they gave beyond their means. And they were begging Paul and his crew that they might give to the relief of the saints that were struggling. So this church was begging him that they might give even in their poverty. And so I, I am not saying you must take your mortgage payment this month and just give it away. And don't pay your mortgage. It's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that our circumstance shouldn't be the base level uh, determining factor on how we give and when we give and if we're giving regularly. Our income, our status, these aren't things that should be, um, I guess, deterrence from giving. They should be considerations. We should have wisdom, but they shouldn't be deterrence. We see this church here was, was giving anyways. They were continually contributing to Paul and the missions work that the gospel might go forward and contributing to the, the relief of the saints that were in distress and in struggle And this is a really cool example. Um, So out of extreme poverty, it overflowed with their abundance of joy in Christ um, to radical giving despite circumstance. And so um, I understand that there are very real financial struggles in this room right now, and I don't mean to belittle those this morning, uh, but I think that it stands. Um, We should approach our giving with an openness to God knowing that if he calls us to give, um, even if we are in lack, even if it's tough, even if it's a hard circumstance, even if we have to go without things that we really want, even though we really want them, he will provide for us, and we can trust him, right? He owns it all, so we can give, and this is a joyful thing. If regular giving is not a part of your life, and I'm not just talking about giving to the church. There's many ways you give, there's needs all the time. You probably see in your home group. You probably see at coworkers. I mean, there's thousands of ways I could talk about giving right now, um, but it should be a regular part of our lives. It should be a rhythm, and when that's not there, giving is just not as joyful, right? It becomes the longer you stay away from giving, the harder it gets to start letting go of that money that's in your wallet, right? It just gets harder. It gets harder, Um but I don't want to jump ahead of myself. So despite circumstance, status, or your budget, we should be regular, joyful givers. Okay, that's my first first point. Point number two is joyful giving is rewarding. It's rewarding. Look here um, at verses seventeen and eighteen. So he's talking about them giving, and he says, "Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit." I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So Paul says something profound. There's something profound in the way Paul receives the gift. Okay? If we remember us talking about Paul in prison, Paul had lots of needs right now. He's in a very bad prison. He probably doesn't have much clothing, if any, much food, if any. You're kind of like, you can't make money because you're in prison, but you got to kind of fight for your own in prison, so you kind of rely on people's gifts because you have all these needs. And and Paul says, it's not even that I wanted the gift. I'm just excited because you have given the fruit that is now increasing to your credit and the pleasing aroma that your offering is to God himself. That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> it's like, have you, do you receive gifts that way? Do you receive when someone gives and you're in need? Do you like, man, I don't even care about meeting this need. I care about the, the joy now that you're going to get in giving. That's a pretty cool way to look at it. Um, something, something good to think about anyways. Um, but Paul is saying uh, his true joy was the fruit that increases to their account. So what is that fruit? When we give, what is that fruit that increases? What is that fruit that we gain? Well, I can tell you what it's not. For starters, uh, Paul is not saying that as we give money and possessions, we will receive more money and possessions to replace it. That may happen, but God is not some uh, magic vending machine, if you will, where we get to put our dollar in and we get to press C4, and out comes the Snickers bar every time, no matter what, because that's how it works. That's not what happens here, okay? Uh, God is in no way having to be obedient to our request to gain back what we give. It it doesn't work that way, right? Now, there are many promises in the Bible, and I'm excited to talk about these, that God will give us blessing as we give. But I want to be clear that I don't think that's always, and most likely, probably not often, us getting financial gain back. That can happen. I think there's principles in uh, giving and that stuff happening, but there are... Uh, countless pastors that you can watch on TV right now, church leaders, that will promise you that if you just give, right, you'll get money back. Um, and that's how it works. That's how it works with God. When I, when I lived in Brazil for a short stint... Um, this was like all over the churches there. Like every church you go into, you can expect what's going to happen is that someone's going to tell you that if you come up right now and you give this certain amount, that something, some huge blessing is going to come in your life, that if you've been sick, you're not going to be sick anymore. That, I mean, pretty clear stuff like that, you know, which we would be like scoff at, you know, but, but tons of people watch that all the time in America, right? It's, it's preached often, uh, and it's heresy. What it does is it leads people to love God for what he can give them rather than for who he is. God's not in that business. Jesus did not promise us wealth and health in this life, but he did promise wealth and health for eternity, right? We are heirs of the kingdom. Jesus did promise, however, in this life that we would suffer like him. That as he was hated, we would also be hated. Uh, he even said things like, "The son of man has nowhere to to lay his head." So if you follow me, it's it's going to be tough. You should consider the cost before you follow me. That doesn't mean you have to be homeless. Um. So that's not what the fruit that he is talking about. When he's talking about the fruit, he's not talking about financial gain necessarily. Um, and I, I don't want to harp on it and talk about financial gain necessarily being bad. I, I feel like I Maybe I don't want to be too extreme, but I'm just saying that's not the fruit. There's much deeper fruit here at stake that I want to talk about. So, what is the fruit? The fruit is joy in Jesus, it's joy in Christ. This is the fruit in which Paul is talking about is joy in the greatest treasure, which is not gold, which is not money, which is not possessions. It is Jesus Himself. In giving, we glorify God as the ultimate provider and giver. In giving, we are freed from the grip of possessions and materialism as we display Jesus as the true treasure. In giving, we meet the real needs of others and therefore share the love and care of God. In giving, God's love in us and for us is confirmed and displayed to the world, Matthew 5. And we are deeply satisfied. Not only are these things true, but Paul states that true giving is a fragrant uh, uh, aroma and a pleasing offering to God himself. And so there's a very real way, though God is totally pleased with you because of Jesus Christ and his perfection, there's a real way in which it is pleasing to God as we give out of the abundance of our joy, out of the abundance of our heart. So, there is unlimited, untold fruit as we give. Uh, when he talks about this pleasing aroma, he's uh, talking. He's kind of shadowing the Old Testament offerings, right? It was a costly thing in the Old Testament to kill the sheep that was going to provide you dinner and things like that. But as you sinned and as a way to worship God, they would, they would slaughter animals. And this was a, is considered a pleasing aroma to God. So in the same way, even though it may be sacrificial and costly, it says that giving is a pleasing thing to God, Uh, It's pleasing. And so um, this is a cool thing. This is awesome. So Jesus said this. uh, I quote this a lot because it's uh, a good reminder for me because I don't believe this often. But Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to give this principle of the kingdom of God, which is there is great reward in giving. And I know a lot of you, if not all of you, know this. You've read this in the Bible. You understand this, but we don't live this way always. We don't. It's like we have this fear that we're not going to get what we want. We have this fear that we desire these certain things in life. We want life to work out a certain way. We want this safety and security and the amount that we can save or the amount of investments we're going to have or make sure our retirement's okay. But there is so much uh, There's a deeper reward. There's a deeper security in Jesus Christ ever than in your finances, in your possessions, in what you have, in your status. None of that will satisfy you. You know that. You know that, but we treat our finances like they are God. We treat our finances like they will protect us. They will provide for us. They will keep us safe, right? That's why when you get laid off or you lose a job, you immediately go into panic, right? It's like, you're just so worried that God's not going to provide for you, but what Paul is is reminding them as they've given is that there is fruit. I'm so excited that you are giving, that you are treating your finances that way, not because I want your finances. Paul doesn't care about that, right? He just said, I've learned to be content. It doesn't matter. Whatever my circumstance is, I know God will provide for me. I can trust him, Um, but Paul is saying he's excited about the fruit, And that needs to be a consideration when we talk about giving, when we budget in our giving, when when God is calling us to give and we start to get worried, right? And we start to kind of hold on to the ship and like, I don't know if I'm going to sink. This is going to be really hard. Uh, There is uh, eternal fruit that just pales in comparison to finances, uh, pales in comparison to earthly security that you may feel like you might have in finances, etc. So lastly, point number three is that joyful giving is, is rooted in the promises of God. So it's regular, it's rewarding, and it's rooted in the promises of God. If you were wondering if I was gonna use an alliteration, you're welcome, I did, it's three R's. Um, Let's look at verse 19 and 20. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. So catch this. The foundation of our willingness and readiness to give is not the amount of income we have, nor the return of investment expected, but on this fact that our God will supply every single need we have according to his riches in grace in Christ Jesus. That's the foundation of Christian giving. Why would you give when you don't have money, right? Like the widow who gave her last two coins when she had nothing else to live on. Why would you do that? Because there's a belief that God will supply every single need I have. Now, what's scary is that he didn't say God will supply every want and desire that you have. He said God will supply every need that you have. That's different, right? There's a lot of things that we honestly, I think what keeps us from giving a lot is there, there are things that we just want, we desire, and maybe they're not even bad things that we really want them. But we are nervous that if we take our financial control out of our hands and put it into God's hands, that He may not give us that thing. That's scary, right? And it's like this internal battle that maybe you don't even think about your doing sometimes. But we do that with our finances. So we don't give because we don't believe this. If we truly believe that God would supply our needs, then what would stop us from giving? despite the circumstance, what would stop us? Nothing would stop us from giving. We are either afraid that God won't meet our needs or afraid that if we do give, uh, we ultimately won't get the things that we want. Um, so as we trust his promises and we give in obedience, God is glorified as the real treasure. He is what we really want. And that's what the overflow of giving is, that God is our ultimate desire. Uh, it is true that God knows what you need more than you know what you need. God knows what is best for you more than you know what is best for you, and this is important. So this believing in the promises of God, it does something really cool. It frees us from the earthly expectations of finances and possessions. And here's what I mean by that. We talked about this earlier, about our culture, right? It's just a, there's this weight in our culture that says, if you don't have the right retirement plan and retirement investments, if you don't have uh, some expensive, really good life insurance plan, if you don't have a certain amount saved up, like Dave Ramsey told you you should have saved up just in case something catastrophic happens in your life, right? If you don't own a home, If you don't have this certain amount of money, if you don't make this certain amount of income, if you don't make these certain amount of investments or leave this much for your kids or do this or that or this or that, the expectation continues to weigh, right, Um, then you're not doing it right. Then you're not being a good steward. Then you're not being a good person of your finances. Then you're going to miss out on so much joy that life offers you. But those are worldly and earthly expectations. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a life insurance plan or you shouldn't save or you shouldn't do all these things. Uh, Like I said before, I'm not attacking and saying you just got to give it all away and that's it. I mean, that would be awesome. but That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying not to be wise. I'm just saying none of those are bad things, but um, they're not the goal, right? The goal is God's kingdom being built, Jesus being glorified and displayed as the ultimate treasure of our lives. This is what drives the Christian. This is what um, causes us to look at our finances, not as, like we read in John Piper earlier, I gave it 10%, I'm gonna trust the, the elders to do whatever they want with that and further the kingdom, and I got my 90% here that I gotta really make sure I'm investing well, I gotta really make sure that my kids can go to college, etc., etc. et cetera, et cetera. But the goal is Christ and his church being built. And with that goal in mind, we say, God, it's yours. All of it's yours. All my possessions, all my money is yours. And God, would you do with it whatever you would please? Would you lead me to, to spend it not as if I'm building my kingdom here, but as if I'm heading to your kingdom there? To spend my finances in such a way that displays your goodness, that displays your provision, that displays your might, displays your joy. This is how we should look at our finances. Despite, and it's, it's kind of this hard struggle because, uh, you know, we want to be relevant in our society. Uh, we've grown up here, so we naturally have a way in which we think about finances, the American way, and things like that. And not all those principles are bad or anything like that, but um, if we let the pressure, of what the world expects, the pressure of what the world says you should do with your finances, um, run, overtake the way we pray about our finances, the way we think about our finances and possessions, the way we give our finances and possessions, we will lack serious joy. You will lack joy. It's not even that you'll get to heaven and you'll be disappointed in how you spent your money and how you used it, but you will lack joy here right now On this earth, you were not designed to build your own kingdom. You were not designed to build your own security. You were designed to worship God, to trust him, to fall on his promises despite your circumstances, despite how scary it is, and to not be afraid. He's got you. So if we give on any other foundation outside of the promise of God that he will supply every single thing we need, um, in a sense, we will be poor Christians. And I don't mean financially, I mean spiritually. So this is the foundation. And what is the foundation of that promise? He says, I will supply, my God will supply every need you have according to his riches in grace in Christ Jesus. So the foundation he points to and shows is the ultimate giving that God does of his son in grace for you, a sinner, a rebel, and makes you his child, right? Jesus, bearing the penalty for us, dying on the cross, the gospel is the foundation of this promise. God's not going to supply all of your needs because you're a good steward of your finances. God's not going to supply all of your needs because you're a good person, God's not gonna supply all of your needs because he feels like you deserve it. God is doing that because he loves you. He has made you his child if you're in Christ. Um, I wanna turn to Luke 12. And like I said, there's, there's so many things I wanna say and talk about things that we should give. And we'll probably hit on those as the, the next year comes. Um. Because there's so many needs, right? We could talk about underage people groups all around the world that need to hear the gospel. We could talk about so many needs just in our, our city of poverty and things that need help. And, um, but my goal today is to help us just look to the promises of Christ. So I want to look at the words of Jesus because um, Jesus does such a good job here at just kind of reminding us uh, that he's got us. Here's what he says Luke 12, starting verse 22. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more? Will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do, that do, that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus lays out the perfect thing for us to cling to, which is God knows your needs, but life is more than that, right? So we can trust him. We can trust him when we give. We can be bold givers in joy by the grace of God for his purposes and his glory Because he loves us. I love that he says, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God enjoys giving you the kingdom. He enjoys giving you everything you need and much, much more in Jesus Christ. So may we give like we have the greatest treasure on earth because we do, right? We do. We really do. If you're in Christ, you have the greatest treasure and our giving should reflect that. I should reflect that. So what I want to do right now is um, I just want to encourage you. Like um, like I said, I don't want you to leave here feeling this weight of guilt, like I'm just not giving enough. Because once again, if that drives your giving, you're going to be a miserable giver, okay? It's just going to be bad news for you. But if what drives your giving is the glory of God, the greatness of God, the want to help others for uh, the purposes of God, this is, this is what true, joyful giving flows from. Um, so as we take communion, let's remember God's care for us in the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. God, like we said, gave the ultimate gift, which was his very son, that he might be slain on the cross, that we could have eternal life. It was the greatest gift of all time, will always be the greatest gift of all time, and we are free, undeserving recipients of that gift. And so let's remember Christ as his body was broken for us, which is what the bread represents, as his blood was shed for us, making us white as snow and righteous in him. Uh, That's why we drink the juice, to remind us of that. Um, And just a few things, um... If you're not a believer in the room, we always ask that you don't partake because this will be meaningless to you. Um, we do have a prayer belief on the screen that will uh, maybe help guide you. We don't believe this prayer saves you, but maybe help guide you as you talk with God. And then, even more importantly, we have prayer partners that are going to be on the sides. Uh, for believer, non believer, whoever wants prayer, I would encourage you go get some prayer. There, there's nothing wrong with getting prayer, it's a good thing. Right? We need it. We all need it. And so, get some prayer from people on the sides. They would love to just. Hear your heart and pray with you. Uh, we have a gluten-free option right here in the center if you need that. Um, and yeah, like I said, I would just like to pray. Let's just pray. If you guys wouldn't mind standing, let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, once again for your word, and I, I just pray whatever we need to hear from your word, God, would you help that stick today? God, would you help us to believe your promises? (laughs) You, uh, God, you've given us so much. We're so undeserving. You've given us so much. And as we look at the cross, and as we truly believe that you did that for us, why would we ever doubt you, God? You are always faithful. You've always been faithful, and you will continue to always be faithful faithful throughout eternity, and so if we have not been giving because we're nervous that we won't get everything we want, or we're nervous that you won't provide for us, God, I pray you would break into our hearts and give us faith. God, give us faith to cling to you and to trust you. God, we want to be marked by joyful giving. We want to be a church that radically gives for the cause of your kingdom so that people might know you they might worship you, Lord God. Don't let us be tight-fisted with our possessions and our money because we don't trust you. God, we surrender to you our finances, our possessions, our very lives and say, God, would you use it for your glory? Would you use it in such a way that people might know you and that you might be displayed as the ultimate treasure of our lives and of the world. And God, we can't do that by ourselves. (laughs) We can't even add a single hour to our span of life, let alone be good givers with joyful hearts. So God, help us, we pray. Help us. We repent if we have lacked in this area and just pray, God, for your grace and your mercy. to take part in the wonderful work of building your kingdom through giving of our finances and possessions. Help us, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Providence, come and take.